Okay, yeah, it's recording. So, oh god, now it's awkward, isn't it? I'm JT. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the new podcast. I'm Toby, and I'm JT, and together and we're, we're the, the Darkman Hulk, Hulk Academy of Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Rules As Written, the new podcast from Two Handsome Devils. I'm Toby. I'm the handsome devil. Hey. <laughs> and we are going to be looking in this podcast at the rules of D&D and how you can apply them and also the kind of social aspect. So, JT, what do you like about D&D? Alright. <laughs> <laughs> it's alright, I guess. <laughs> so... This this first episode, we're going to try and do a kind of introduction to D and D, the whole the whole shebang. If you've only got fifteen minutes to tell someone what D and D is, how to play it, send them this this episode, and hopefully we'll do a good job. So the first thing we should go over is the basics. I think dice is a good place to start. What do you think? Sure. Yeah. I mean, every every game's got some physical thing. That's the first <laughs> so, thing I'll touch. So yeah, D and D uses seven dice that are in a wonderful myriad of shapes and sizes. <laughs> yeah, especially the one that you lost. <laughs> <laughs> so dice um, is the basis of any D&D game, really. You have your seven dice, and each of them are denoted throughout the rules by a D number. Now there's gonna be two numbers. You'll have the number of dice that you're rolling, a D, and then a number denoting the number of sides on the dice. So your standard dice is a 1d6, a six-sided dice, you'd roll one of them. If it was two standard dice you're rolling, what would it be, JT? 2d6. Hey, pop is passed. <laughs> oh, God, I had to write that down. <laughs> so yeah, the most common would be 1d20. You'd be rolling them all the time. Anyway, that is honestly the very basics that you need. That and a pen and paper. Going on to the pens. Sheets, character sheets. Now you may have seen some of these. They have a load of text, a load of numbers over the, on them, and we are going to go through all of them eventually. But right now, we're just giving a quick overview of what. What do you? What's the biggest thing that jumps out to you on a D and D sheet? Well, when I first saw a D and D sheet, that was on um, Joss's campaign, and I remember she had to hold our hands through it because when I first saw it, it was just a lot of information and a lot yeah. of blank spaces, and that was really kind of intimidating. Yeah. Um, I think when we filled yeah. it out, we went from left to right, which so, was kind of nice. Yeah, on the left-hand side, you'll see the main skills, which are strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. We'll come back to those. You'll also see some of the minor skills around, as well as the saving throws. These are really the meat and potatoes of D&D. That and the top boxes. The rest of it is more kind of character building and reminders for rules specific to your characters. So I feel the real core of like the gameplay of D&D is really on the left-hand side. So it's a good place to fill out first. Yeah, the left hand has like the numbers and stats more. And then the right hand has more kind of like attributes and text and stuff like that. Yeah, over on the right hand side, you'll find things like your ideals, your bonds and your flaws, which uh, I've played in campaigns where, in fact, the one we do now, we don't fill them out at all. We kind of just play through them and develop them 
like as we go really yeah actually the first campaign that i played i filled out every single box very detailedly <laughs> and i was very disappointed actually when it didn't turn out to be very relevant i i also it was like in part because it's not relevant to the campaign that i was playing but it was also because it wasn't relevant to me as i started like yeah playing my character it was just different so i find that um it really does kind of fall into one of two categories either you're paying a lot of attention to them or eventually they kind of fall by the wayside as you create more flaws and develop your character more in a game i've played in some games where you're creating a character that you are playing that isn't you you need to develop every aspect of this character before you come in. And people do this to varying degrees. So I've played in some games that use the ideals, bonds and flaws as key parts of the whole campaign. So you design them all before you get into the campaign and you really stick with them. And they can change as you go, but you really have to adhere to these as you roleplay. And you'll get bonuses from the DM sometimes for doing so. Is that something that you establish with your DM, like, early on? Yeah, that is definitely something that should come up in Session Zero, which mm. we'll have an episode on later. Um, episode Zero. Episode... Oh, I should have been, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's really uh, the character sheet in all. We're going to go through each part of it individually um, when we get to it. We'll have episodes on everything, but right now that's our overview. I know, JT, you like having digital sheets. Yes, I do. See, I'm a pen and this paper is a, guy. This, this is, is, this is all a... Right, we're getting into the, the gloves are off. <laughs> <laughs> we're going straight into it. So I, I'm i a DM. I currently DM JT in our normal game. And I hate digital sheets. I, I don't like people having their noses in their phones. I like everything on pen and paper. I like being able to scribble everything out. I personally like the kind of, when I'm playing as a character, as a PC, um, I like the visceral feel of it, having a sheet and just being out of the kind of digital world. Um, so how does it affect you as a DM when other people are using electronic sheets versus pen and paper? So what I see a lot of, um, and it's not everyone by all means, but a lot of people will, and I, this is, this is like, I, I understand it makes me sound like a bit of an arsehole as well. <laughs> but like, you can see they're on their phones or their laptops and they're looking at something else. Like they're not quite paying attention and they'll come back and you've got to kind of rope them in, which can sometimes just be um, not much at all. Most of the time it's nothing. Normally they just come back in, they haven't missed anything, but sometimes they'll miss something key and you've got to repay the play the last like 10 minutes. Of... So it's like the distracting element. Yeah, there is a distraction to it. Also, um, I think people, the way people use them almost as a barrier to other people. They'll have their laptop up in front of you creating a physical barrier. And I can get it sounds a bit like wishy-washy or whatever, or having their phone up. When you have a piece of paper that you can pass around easily if people need to look at your stats or whatever, or you can just spin around, there it is, instead of shuffling around a laptop or handing over a phone. I think, it, I think it's a more, everyone's on the same playing ground. No one's on different devices. Everyone has the same type of paper. Everyone has the same pencils. It's it's a small difference, but I think it has kind of big ramifications to the flow of the game. Hmm. So then what does that mean for things like, because I don't just use an electronic character sheet. 
Oh no. <laughs> I use an electronic treasury and an electronic uh, inventory, an electronic spell list, like all of that stuff is digital, baby. Like, so again, what is the what is the advantage then of having all of this on pen and paper, uh, without having the convenience of this all existing on your phone? I'll concede that a lot of it is kind of unfeasible for the most part mm -hmm. like when you have the other options available when you get we're currently 14th level are you guys 14th level i should really know that. <laughs> 13th 14th yes yeah. we are now <laughs> um yeah i mean at that point you have so many abilities and spells and things to keep track of that people do forget them especially if you have them on multiple sheets of paper especially when you've had those pieces of paper for how long have you had your sheets? Two years now? In yeah. In some cases, yeah. yeah. We've been playing this campaign for two years. A race so, mark start to burn holes. In <laughs> yeah, the... exactly. So, I mean, I'm not denying the um, benefits of a digital sheet. It's why I'm perfectly okay for you guys to have your treasury on a digital sheet because the amount of shit you guys accumulate, goodness. Yeah, gracious. and then we also have vehicles, right? Yeah, and, and being like able that. to have like a vehicle sheet with the cart that they guys have and they have a portable hole. What's in the portable hole? Mm. They have two portable holes, actually. <laughs> What's in each one? And also spell books, being able to just flick it, I mean, flick it up and it just be there. That is just a godsend, really. I remember playing long before that when I was like 12 or whatever. Got to fight and, over the player's handbook. And yeah, stuff. and it does slow down the game. And once you start having a digital version of that, it's hard to go back. I think a good middle ground that we have in our game, at least for me personally, is that I manage all of the like kind of accounting all of the numbers stuff that I don't want to really do, like things like keeping track of the whole lexicon of spells and all of the money and transactions and stuff that happen, those can be electronic because those can happen in like three seconds on a phone as opposed to like much longer on pen and paper. But I do like having little personal booklet character sheet. Oh, so I found on Reddit um, this kind of little personal character sheet. It's a booklet. It's eight pages. It's basically an A4 that you fold up to A, like those old Microsoft Publisher Christmas cards. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and it just it just has it. What do you? How do you find that? Because I've never used them. I like it a lot. It is. It is not all of the information on your character sheet. It kind of is like trying to take all all of the information of a character sheet and then boiling it down to like what are your like you know top ten most used things and then focusing on that like there's a section on just cantrips right mm. not spells it doesn't have all your spells it just has cantrips yeah right? I mean, so those are going to be the things you use the most it right? tries to predict the things that you're going to use like very frequently and then have like that and i like that um because it's like a very easy reference point and it keeps yeah. it like a small phone size thing yeah <laughs> that you can just have um to flip through for all of your main like your main things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what makes the happy medium, is that the, the character sheets, which is by far and away the thing you're gonna be referring to the most, we use on paper, but uh, you only use the digital spell books when you're casting a spell, yeah. or when you're bringing things in and out of an inventory. Um, so those are much less frequent. Um, yeah. There are also alternatives to that, spell cards. I've used spell cards in the past. Those are pretty great being able to just lay out your cards or even have them like in a binder and just have all your cards there that you're ready to use. Um, I think they're pretty dope. 
I don't I don't have a good system for an inventory though. <laughs> yeah. I think digital is the way to go for an expanding inventory. First few levels, like yeah, you can write it all down, but when you really get deep, yeah, it'll be digital. Personal anecdote, I am the only person who uses a digital inventory in our group. And I'm also the only person to have ever used a potion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> potion of haste. So the next thing we we're going to touch on is the flow of the game mm. as you play. So JT, as, as a PC, what is your experience when you play D&D? What actually happens? So, um... Like a typical session, do you mean? I mean, I, the, like the, on the micro, not the, so much the macro. Like, what is the flow of gameplay? Okay, well, it seems to kind of break down into, like, um, two bits. There's, like, the non-combat bit and then the combat bit. And those mm. are, like, distinctly different to yeah, me. Yeah, definitely. Um, the non-combat bit is more about kind of, like, solving problems, having an identity as a team, being able to come up with, like, what it is that we like what are our goals and objectives agreeing on stuff it's a lot more like social <laughs> yeah. you know than yeah, it is definitely. like uh strictly dnd as rules and of course there's like abilities that we can use to like achieve these goals in non-combat sort of ways um and then there's the combat section which is much more oriented on like what can i do personally in this context or something like yeah. that like my then you're going like that's when i use my character sheet my all of my other stuff like a lot more because it's much it's like, more rules yes heavy at yeah. that point because dnd is, is at its basis a combat system mm -hmm. i think i think the the role-playing element is much less fleshed out in dnd than the combat system um so I, it also comes up when we cast spells in our game um, as long as you can reasonably pitch it to me, I, I'll accept any spell effect, really. If you can read the description of the spell and it like works out to what I, I think would happen, I think it's reasonable as a DM, um, then I'll accept it. Like maybe like hand-waving some of the letters of the law, as it were. But in combat, I mean, when, when things are much more built around stats and HP and you have numbers that you have to make zero yeah <laughs> <laughs> then then you've got to go to you've got to make it a bit more uh, mathy i guess would be the word mm. so how does uh, again from a player standpoint what is the like interaction with me so um what's my job most of the time i feel like you phase in and out of existence that that's interesting yeah that yeah. like you take a presence when you establish something right you establish the environment Right? Like there's usually like a point in every new place or new whatever where you kind of lay down the land uh, of like what we're looking at, where we are, and establishing like some basic things like that. So that's when you're very like present. Like we're all paying attention to you and you usually give us something to work with. Then we receive that like, you know, ball of clay and uh, we try to kind of like work with it. Um, and create some kind of story or like idea of what we want to do from there. Yeah, I think at its heart, D&D &D is a collaborative storytelling yeah. experience. I think beyond anything, that's what it is. At its best. Yeah, yeah definitely. at its best. I've definitely played in games that were just fight, 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 fight. Mm. I move five feet and I invoke this Dungeons and this. Dungeons and, and dragons. And, yeah, right? it is dungeons and there are dragons <laughs> and that is all there will be. <laughs> 
Um, but I definitely think D&D at its best and the most fun I've had and all the stories that you see online and the memes, it all comes from the roleplay aspect, mm -hmm. which at its heart is just skill checks. But we'll come back to that. Talking about skill checks, I think it's uh, important to touch on some of the very basic mechanics at the core of D&D, which is the rolling of dice, what type of dice rolls there are. So there are skill checks. JT, what's a skill check? A skill trick is something that your DM <laughs> makes you do so that you fail at something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, it's you'll see on your uh, character sheet, there'll be all those skills. If one of them is animal handling, for example, if you want to ride a horse, I might make you take an animal handling check and we'll see if you pass. To pass, you've got to roll equal or higher than a DC, which is a difficulty class, which is at its core, a kind of arbitrary number um, that you have to roll higher than using your skills, which add numbers to your given dice roll. Um, that's your skill checks. You have saving throws. What's a saving throw? Hit me with it. <laughs> a saving throw is when your <laughs> DM throws something at you <laughs> that you get to see whether or not you succeed or fail in yeah, venting. Yeah, it's like... if, if there is a danger coming towards you, then how do you deal with that danger? And they relate to the six basic stats, not so much your skills. So I've seen you do a combination of, sometimes you'll have a saving throw when it's like, there's some event that happens, like a dragon shoots a fireball at you or whatever. And then you'll make us make a kind of saving throw. But is there ever a situation where like a player can change that saving throw depending on what they want to do to react to these things? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the, the key things as a DM is to always be open to something players pitch. And that doesn't mean say yes to everything because goodness gracious, players pitch some bullshit. <laughs> but um, if they can give me something that they do, like if you can give me a reason as to why that should be a constitution check, Maybe like you have some curse on you that makes you made of stone and this fire breath wouldn't do much to you. Maybe I should just withstand it. Like Would if... that apply to something like getting behind your shield? Would that turn into like a constitution? I think that I think that falls into the dexterity. How quickly you raise your shield. Okay. I think when it comes down to um when it gives you a check like that in the rules. It, how you flavor it is kind of up to you. Mm. Um, but I think there's many ways to cut that pie, as it were. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's that's your saving throws. The other one is attack rolls and damage rolls. Um, attack rolls we use to hit, to see if you can hit something. You're rolling against someone's AC, which is basically their armor class. Those are the things that people will ask you the most about as to what do you add to that modifier. Yes, <laughs> people get this mixed up all the time. Throughout D&D, you only add things, for the most part, to your attack rolls. A lot of things will add things to attack rolls, and not so much will add things to damage rolls. Unless like, you're a barbarian. Exactly. <laughs> um, there's obviously a wealth of exceptions, like special armors, special um, weapons and all that. But for the most part that I see, you are more likely to get a plus to your attack roll to hit than you are to your damage. Like if you add your proficiency, it will normally be to the attack roll than to the damage or whatever. Obviously, there's a million exceptions to everything. But I think those are all the main checks, the main dice rolls. If I missed anything? Right, so like going through the character sheet, we've got like the saving throws, skill checks, 
attack rolls. Those are like the three big things. Yeah, I think those are, I mean, there's there's a load of other dice rolls, but those that's the meat and potatoes of D&D. &D. Okay. What is a proficiency, by the way? You mentioned that earlier when you were talking about skill checks. Ah, uh, so a proficiency, when you create your character, you'll be given an opportunity to choose proficiencies for, through a myriad of means. You know, there's three different ways when building your character to get proficiencies that we'll go into. But they basically mean that you add your proficiency bonus, which is a number that goes up the more levels you have. So for the first few levels, you'll just get a plus one, then it will go up to a plus two. If you're proficient in that skill that I'm asking you to roll a skill check for, then you will add your proficiency bonus to that roll. It maxes out at a plus six. Mm. Um, we play a variant though, don't we, JT? Yes. Do you want to talk about the variant? You can you can give us your thoughts on it. <laughs> Mixed feelings, actually. Um, I, it is It is popular with our group though. So the variant that we play is that we have a dice roll that we make on proficiency checks instead of what normally is a static number that you just add. Yeah. The dice roll means that you could potentially get a lot more than your like normal proficiency bonus whenever you do something like attack or make a skill check. Mm. But it could also be lower. So it adds kind of a degree of randomness to the success yeah, or failure. Which definitely gets wider the, mm. the higher up you go. When you reach the upper echelons of your levels, um, you're rolling a d12, mm. which gives you a huge degree of success or failure. Mm. Whereas at your lower levels, when it's a d4, I mean, it's you're not like changing it by too much. Yeah, which can be weird as an experience as a player in the sense that sometimes, like when you're doing the same thing in different circumstances, it could be so much more successful in one <laughs> circumstance than it is in another. And it can get kind of weird to like envision that as your character, you know, yeah. being so different yeah. in this similar the, One of the ways I think that I could remedy it, I'm definitely bad at it, is a lot of people play D&D with a 20s and automatic success, no matter what you're doing. Mm. That's how you seduce the dragon. And a one is an automatic failure, no matter what. Um, I think one of the, that's probably the biggest, I'd call it a mistake as a DM to allow that. If you are rolling a 20, if you want to play with critical successes, uh, you can, but that's not in the rules to play in the, them with skill checks. If you roll a 20, it's just a 20 and a skill check. The crit success and the crit fails are only for attack rolls. So, um, we play a kind of crits because, I mean, let's face it, they're fun. Yeah. <laughs> they're fun as balls. <laughs> but um, it's really up to you how to play it. I I would definitely play with crits, but temper them. Like, if someone wants to seduce the dragon, no, they can't. Even a 20 is not going to make the impossible possible. Even if you're rolling a 37 with all your, um, like, amazingness, that succeeds just as much as a 25 if it's a DC 15 or something. They've got to roll a 15 or higher. I think there definitely should be a limit. The problem with that comes with that is temper and player expectations. Yeah, I feel like that would only really um, be a problem though if you either have precedence on that always succeeding. Which we do. <laughs> yeah, or if uh, players have played in other games where DMs have had different yeah, ways Yeah, you have second-hand precedence then. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, it's really something that can be solved just by having 
good and open communication with your party. Session zero. Yeah, session zero, but not ending it at session zero. Mm. You should, if ever there's a problem with your DM, you should just be able to talk to them in like a grown up manner. Just be like, hey, I think this is a problem. And it works both ways. The DM should be able to talk to players, which statistically speaking, the majority of listeners to this will be. And um, yeah, you, you just got to accept that the DM's rule is final at the end. And sometimes that can suck, especially if you have a kind of power hungry DM, which I have been under the thumb of. Uh, which is never fun. But when you have that kind of open dialogue, it just makes everything much better. So how would you recommend a player be able to approach communicating with their DM on something that they either are confused about or that they disagree with? I think that that is going to be a fantastic topic for a future <laughs> episode. But we've touched on everything that we need to touch on on this uh, first episode. We'll see you guys in the next one which will be skill checks. Looking forward to it. Catch you then. Pew pew. See ya. <laughs>